Father in heaven, it's truly a privilege that we can be in thy house in this day, and we're, we're so thankful for it. Lord, we pray that thy spirit would, would minister to us in a way that's needful for each of our hearts. Lord, that the, the distractions of this world and the, the events of our lives could be put at bay, Father, and that we could turn to your word and to receive a teaching and a promise that's needful for each one of us, for, for our individual walks and even for our, our walk collectively as a family of faith together. Lord, we're mindful of the time we've spent over the last few days um, celebrating our loved ones who have passed on to their reward. And so, Lord, we would continue to uplift the families that, that mourn their loss. And even as we do as well, Lord, we pray that you'd give them encouragement and strength, that you would give them uh, an acknowledgement and an awareness of thy nearness and of thy love. Lord, we pray for Uncle Emil um, suffering with sickness at home. Pray that you would watch over him, that you'd encourage him and, and strengthen him, especially even in a holiday week as we look forward to celebrating our thankfulness together. And Lord, pray that thy healing hand could be upon him so that he could do that as well. And, and Father, again, we're, we're sure that there are many things that don't come to our minds and our our attention this morning, but pray that thy spirit would speak even to those needs as well and give us encouragement and direction where it can be applied to our lives and for it we'll thank thee in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I, I promise I feel fine. I know I sound awful. I have a cough drop in and water bottle up here, so um, if you can not be distracted by that, I'll try not to as well. Um, thankful, really thankful to be here this morning. And the verses or the, the message that we're going to look at this morning is a very familiar one to us. And I think uh, that was particularly, it, it hit me particularly hard over the last couple of weeks. Um, a, a passage in Exodus chapter 16. And the, the thought that continues to come to mind um, is, is one of contentment. Contentment with God's provision. And I know we're going to speak so much about thankfulness and thanksgiving on Thursday. I don't want to take away from any of that. And even for next Sunday, I don't want to take away from that either. Um, but I just wanted to get, maybe give you a little insight into where some of the thoughts for this came from. Um, I've had a great, great couple of weeks. I mean, a, a great, wonderful couple of weeks. And I know that you all know me pretty well and have been around me for, well, 39 years. I don't say that all that often, especially over the last couple of years. I have not said that all that often. Um, but just one little window into the last couple of weeks was I've done a little more cooking uh, around the house. I've been around the house a little more often. And... One, you know, not every meal needs to be fancy. Not every dinner can be fancy. Um, my, my kids were excited to have dad home a little bit more often because they said, you know, dinner was going to be a little fancier. Not that mommy can't do that, but she's got a lot going on and I had a little more time. So one meal would be fancy, the next one wouldn't. Well, growing up, one thing that I always loved that was a really simple meal that mom would make was ham, noodle, and egg. I don't know if anybody else did that. Um, 
But I thought, if you're going to do ham, noodle, and egg, there's got to be a way to make this a little fancier, right? Rather than just egg noodles, ham, and eggs. Like, what else can you do with it? So I Googled how to fancy up ham, noodle, and egg. And lo and behold, whoever has anybody or had anyone here ever had schinken noodle? Well, I just figured this was going to be the environment. Aunt Debbie has. I figured this was the audience where somebody would know. So apparently this is a... A German dish, I mean, it's ham, noodle, and egg, but when you throw Gruyere in it and mix the eggs together and get this more like a mac and cheese kind of thing with caramelized onions, and I thought, now, now we're talking. This is a good, this is a real good ham, noodle, and egg. And so I made this two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, last week. And it went over like... Max said, this is the best thing I ever ate. This is the best meal I ever had. And Ethan ate all he could, and there was like a tiny little portion of it left at the end of the night. And luckily, I was home the next afternoon, and I had that for lunch the next day. It was awesome. I told my mom, this is the way we should have been making this. Again, you put a brick of Gruyere in anything, it's going to be good. Well, then last weekend rolled around, and our whole family went through sickness and everybody was kind of down and out and so we needed to put meals together again so this week i said listen we can do ham noodle and egg again we'll do shinken noodle again well we didn't have exactly the same brick of gruyere we had a gruyere cheddar mix or something like that and i was a little foggy and i started making it and i put twice as much cream in as i was supposed to I thought, well, if you put twice as much cream, what are, what's the solution? Put twice as much noodles. And double the recipe. Have twice as much of it. And so I made twice as much of this modified shinken noodle. And we all sat down to dinner, and I ate some, and nobody else ate. I mean, Ethan had a little bit. And there's this massive pot of stuff left over. And so... I dutifully, we covered it up, we put it away, and we, you know, we had leftovers for some other stuff too. And so the next day, Ashley texted me earlier in the day, well, what do you want to do for dinner? I said, well, we've got a lot of this ham noodle and egg again. Let's, we'll, we'll have that. And I put it back out on the table and heated it up for dinner. And again, like barely any of this gets eaten. And now I still have this massive pot of noodles left over. And jokingly, she said, well, what are we going to do? Or no, not joking. She says, well, what are we going to do for dinner the rest of the week? I said, well, it looks like we've got a lot of this left over. And she very emphatically said, no. And everybody else agreed, this is not going to get served again. And it probably had to do with when you're feeling a little sick, you don't want to eat the same thing over and over again. It's understandable. And it, and it was also, it left it a taste in our mouths, in our mouths and a a thought in our minds that this probably isn't something we even want to give out to anybody else at this point, having sat in our house for a couple of days. But it, it just struck me was how, how quickly we get burned out on something um, and how, not that it was a lack of contentment, but how quickly we were burned out or frustrated or ready to move on to something else. And it wasn't immediately, but as I was doing some work around the house uh, yesterday afternoon, this passage in um, 
in Exodus 16 about the manna from heaven, when they first got their manna from heaven. And I guarantee it didn't have Gruyere in it or anything like that, although it does talk about how it had cilantro and tasted like honey, which also, ingredients-wise, we'll talk, was pretty interesting. But I thought it, it would be good for us to look at this and to see, see, some of the image, see some of the imagery that we can pull from passages that we know so well, but also some of perhaps the reminders of new lessons that um, can even be applied today. So we will read through the entire 16th chapter of Exodus. It says, And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is in between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat in the, by the flesh pots, and when we did eat the bread to full. For ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather at a rate every day, that I may prove them, whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that they bring in, excuse me, they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto the children of Israel, At even, then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the even, evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings, and it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat meat, excuse me, ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that even the quails that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the hosts. And when the dew that lay was gone upon, was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as the ground, excuse me, I'm having trouble with my eyes here, a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather it, every man according to his eating, and Omar for every man, according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they did meet it with 
and Omar, he that gathered which he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. And they gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left it left of it unto the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omars for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses, and he said unto them, that is this, that, this is that which the Lord hath said, Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye bake to the, today, and see that which ye seethe, and that which ye remaineth, which remaineth, overlay up for you to keep unto morning. And they laid up until the morning, as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath day unto the Lord. Today ye shall eat and find not in the field. Six days shall ye gather it, but on the seventh, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for the, to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide every man in his place, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. And it was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, This is that thing which the Lord commanded. Fill an omar of it to be kept for your generations, that, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness. When I brought you out forth from the land of Egypt, and Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot, and put an omar full of manna therein, and lay it before the Lord to keep for your generations. And the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years until they came into the land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came into the borders of the land of Canaan. Now an omar is a tenth part of an ephah. All of chapter 16 of Exodus. Many, many times in my life, I have been that person that talked about how I could not understand how the children of Israel murmured so much. How on earth could these people experience all of the miracles that God brought about in their midst and yet flip the page from one story to the next and they murmured and they murmured. Even as I was reading this last night, we start 45 days after they've left Egypt. If they've just left Egypt after 45 days, this isn't even 45 days after they've crossed the Red Sea. This is probably 30-something days after they crossed the Red Sea. 60, 100 days maybe after the, the last of the plagues were brought about on Pharaoh. All of these miraculous experiences that the Lord brought about to the Egyptians, to Pharaoh, 
in the camp of the Israelites to protect them, to bring them out of captivity. And here, 45 days later, they're out in the wilderness, and it, the reference begins to open up or, or seems to allude to the fact that not that they were hungry yet, but that they were worried about being hungry. That in their preparation for you know, continuing out on, on the, toward the wilderness, you know, they've got Egypt behind us and wilderness in front of us, and they're looking out at the wilderness and they're looking at their stores of what food they could have brought from Egypt with them and it's dwindling. And all of a sudden they look at Moses and Aaron and say, it would have been better for us to stay as slaves in Egypt and to sit on these flesh pots and sit full with bread around us, recognizing we would have been slaves than to be let out here to starve. And it's interesting that Moses and Aaron don't respond they simply turn to the Lord and the Lord responds to them. And the Lord, God, gives Moses the plan. Moses and Aaron are given the plan, the preordained, the preplanned uh, meal strategy for the children of Israel for the next how many ever years it's going to be at that point. I don't know that they knew for sure it was going to be the 40. I'll leave that, as a, leave that comment aside. But God says, bread is going to come from heaven. And interestingly, he tells them right at this point, too, that, that meat is going to come, too. I, I kind of got that confused. When in my Sunday school story, I remember the Israelites complaining about all the manna, and then God said, okay, fine, I'll give you some quail, too. And it, look, as we read it here, the description is that you're going to get flesh at night, and you're going to get meat, bread in the morning. But just focusing in on, on the bread... Or the manna. Moses then takes this information, he takes this um, meal plan, and goes back and he, he makes Aaron um, give the speech. But says that look over to the look over here to the cloud. Hear what God is going to say. As we follow this cloud, God is going to provide bread every morning. When you awake in the morning, there's going to be bread. And go gather that bread. Go gather that manna. Take as much as you can take. Take as much as you can eat. And eat as much as you can eat. And it's just an interesting reference. If you, and it, it's at the beginning and at the end of the, the passage. But think about that. It didn't say, it says to, to, one, to one Omar, I think was the, the description. But... To them that could eat a lot, they took it and were supposed to eat all of it. To those that couldn't eat, there wouldn't be anything left over. Don't store any of it because if you store it and keep it, it's going to rot in the morning. Sufficient for every day was going to be the provision. Every single day, God was going to provide the provision that was necessary for your family. All you got to do is take it. And so I love the fact, the obedience that many of them showed, many of them showed obedience, and they, they did that for, for six days, or for five days. And they get to the sixth day, and they gather, and they gather, and they gather, and they're like, wait a second. We did this for six days. We know what we're supposed to have. We've got twice as much as we're supposed to have. And Moses and Aaron go and, and describe to them what they already had received from God, already received that direction from God to say that, yes, on the sixth day, I'm going to teach you how to observe the Sabbath. I'm going to teach you how to prepare for the Sabbath. On this day, you're going to get twice as much. 
And shocker, it's not going to rot. The second half isn't going to rot and go bad tonight. You'll have it there for the morning. Keep it because you'll need it for the morning. Just the, the way that this was given to them. You know, the, the, they're, they're probably used to receiving or seeing these supernatural experiences. Right? They've watched the Red Sea part. They've watched the Nile turn to blood. They've watched locusts come down. They've watched all of their homes be spared of the angel of death. They've watched all of these different things happen. And now they're, they're being told to, to listen to and, and follow after God in the cloud. And that every morning that God in the cloud is going to have the dew come upon the ground. And when the dew dries, there's going to be these little round things. Now, I don't know how many of you have seen communion wafers, but I envision a communion wafer when I'm thinking of this. It says a little round thing that had the grain or a seed of a coriander and tasted as if it was mixed with honey. I cannot deny that when I read that, I never remember paying attention to what the, the coriander and the honey piece. But immediately when I think of that, I'm like, that's not a bad flavor. That seems like something that would have gone well together. But it is this fine little thing, this little grain piece of... I'm not sure if they were supposed to eat it exactly like that or if they were supposed to mix it and, and make something out of it. I, I don't need to get into the details of that. But I'm blown away by this experience that they're, all of these supernatural things that they've seen and have happened around them, and then they, they're being asked to go find breakfast after the dew leaves, after the dew dries, there's going to be food on the ground. Trust me, there's going to be food on the ground. And you're supposed to go and gather that. And gather as much as you can. An ephah, not an ephah, an omar, it said, I read somewhere, was 2.3 liters. Now, I mean, I'm thinking, take, this is kind of easy for us, right? A two-liter bottle. Take a two-liter bottle and fill it with whatever this is, whether it's communion wafers, whether it's little grains, whether you have to prepare, it doesn't matter. But you've got to fill that. that. That was kind of the measure that they were thinking or that they were using as the imagery that's what's there to collect, and that's what's there to collect for the day. That's what you're going to eat today. And then you're going to eat that for the next 40 years. I don't care how many lime trees they found to mix with the cilantro taste, because coriander is cilantro. That's where I thought, boy, this could be, you could mix this up. I don't care how much you mix to throw into that little gift of manna. Oh, that's the other piece. Manna. We make it sound like manna was like a brand of bread, right? It was I remember in Sunday school years and years ago, we, um, we had this story, and then we also had the story a couple weeks later about Daniel and his friends eating the pulse and all the vegetables. And so we had this idea that we were going to make a... Um, a restaurant, and we were going to make a restaurant in one of the Sunday school rooms where all they served was manna, uh, pulse, and vegetables. And so we made signs, and, and I don't know, those of you that have driven to Florida down 95, you know, south of the border, 
and it's got all those signs that say, keep screaming kids, they'll stop. And like every two miles, there's another sign that talks about south of the border. So we put signs all over the vestibule and the Sunday school wing about this restaurant that we were making that was selling manna, pulse, and vegetables. And keep screaming kids, they'll stop. And I just remember um, that we, we drew up, now I see why my kids like to do so many crafts. We drew up little paper bags and wrote manna and then just filled them with dirt from outside. And because in my head, manna was like a brand name. Manna wasn't a brand name. Manna was, what is this? Manna literally interprets, what is it? Would you ever go to a grocery store and buy a bag of something that says, what is it? And you're supposed to be satisfied with this. You, God was saying, that this is what I'm providing for you. This was his perfect plan. And it was perfect. But they were being called to be content and satisfied and grateful for that provision when it really probably was not the provision they were expecting. It was so much better than what they had in Egypt. They weren't threatened. They weren't being killed. They weren't being oppressed. They were able to follow their God as He led them before them. But it wasn't comfortable and it wasn't what they were expecting and it surely wasn't what they would have planned. And yet... God is faithful that through each, through each experience, He doesn't just dump all this information on them either. He doesn't come right. When Moses, when the complaining starts, and Moses and Aaron are real quick to say, listen, you're not complaining about us. This is God's deal. God told us to lead you out of Egypt. God told us to bring you here. And God said, this is how the food's going to come down. You're not murmuring toward us. Take it up with Him. The whole plan isn't given to them right, right at that moment. They don't know how long they're going to be in the wilderness. They don't know where, this is going to, where they're going to have to wander. They don't know all the details of what's, what's going to unfold. But they know that God is going to lead them each step of the way. And they're being asked and being taught to trust Him in that. They're being taught to trust Him to know that, you know what, this may be the same thing that showed up yesterday. I mean, You wake up on Monday morning. Let's do it on... For the sake of argument, we know Sabbath is Saturday. But for our schedule, let's do it this way. You wake up Monday morning and God... Moses and Aaron told you it's going to be on the ground tomorrow morning. It's going to be there. And so you go out in the morning and the dew's there and the dew's drying and all of a sudden the manna shows up. How thankful and grateful are you? Amazingly. We were worried about starving. We don't have to worry about that. God has provided. You go to bed Monday night. You wake up Tuesday morning. Well, you think it's going to be there? It's there. By Wednesday, you're expecting it to be there. By Thursday, you're probably a little bit ready for some seasoning to put on it. By Friday, you're wondering what's happening. And Saturday, excuse me, Saturday you wake up and there's twice as much. This is kind of where our ham, noodle, and egg for this week came. By Saturday, we woke up and there was twice as much. What am I supposed to do with this? Because what I was told earlier in the week was that I'm supposed to eat everything I can. Well, I certainly cannot eat twice as much of this as I had yesterday. And then God gives you the next lesson. The next lesson for them was that I want you on my day, on Sabbath... 
to rest in me, to, to take a day of rest, that, that we're not going to focus on all of the other tasks that this world lies before us or lays before us. We're not going to focus on ambition. We're not going to focus on earthly things. We're going to focus on the Lord, on our gratefulness for the last five days, six days of provision that he's given us, and to prepare ourselves for the next six in front of us. And I promise you, if you hold on to this, when you wake up in the morning, it won't be rotten. There will be no worms in it. There will be no fungus growing or anything like that. You'll be able to consume all that you need to because the provision that God gave you for the last six days is the provision He's going to give you for tomorrow and then for the next week to come. Interestingly, this lesson was so important to the, that God, God found this lesson so important for the children of Israel that he didn't want it to be something that was just going to be a fable. Oh, just make a, not a fable, a story being told. Just make an Ebenezer, set it here, and then when you all wander back at some point, we can say, well, hitherto the Lord hath fed us with manna. This was so important. God's, God's provision for his people and sustaining his people through uncertain times and uncertain places was so important that God told them to take that measure take a day's measure of manna, put it in a jar, and keep it with you in the Ark of the Covenant. That is going to be that thing. Keep that with you as the image before you, not to worship it, not to place it in any um, spiritual power position, but put it in a position where you will have to look at it every day and recognize that this is how God has blessed us. This is how God has cared for us. This is how God has directed and led us through the wilderness and led us through the valley and led us up the mountain and back down again. And wherever we go, His provision was perfect for us on day one and will be perfect for us on whatever our final day is. That doesn't mean that they had to enjoy it. We, I didn't get to the there is the other passage that talks about them complaining about, oh, manna, manna. Here we're getting more manna every day. It's just manna. I used to be that person. I I cannot stand leftovers. I hate leftovers. That was like the bane of my existence. My wife is chuckling because something happened in the last three weeks where I'm like, I'm okay with them. If I'm cooking, if it's something I like, I might want to eat it the second day. The ham, noodle, and egg was great until the third day. I could see where these folks would get burned out on manna. I had, one of my children would be content with the same lunch every single day for the rest of time. I, I, I used to be a little better at that. I can't do that anymore. Like, you cannot give me the same thing every single day. And I don't think the image, I don't think the lesson that we're being taught or that we're supposed to take from this chapter is necessarily that we're going to get the same thing every day and just be thankful for it. Suffer gladly. Suffer with the wafers gladly. I don't think that's the message that we're, we're to take from this. To me, the message I was to take from this, or maybe just me personally, was that I can say that I'm content with what the Lord has given me. I can say that I'm content with where the Lord has placed me. But I also have to recognize that he's still leading us places. He's still taking us places. 
This, this story didn't say, I plopped you in the middle of the desert, sit here for 40 years and just eat this manna, just eat this wafer. The story was, I'm going to lead you around. You're going to have to go different places. This is something that's going to come with us. And as I dropped it on the ground here in Syracuse, I'm going to drop it on the ground in Avarino and wherever, wherever we as a people move, wherever we as our lives move, the Lord's provision comes with us. If we follow after him. I keep saying follow after him in the cloud. I feel like it's imagery-wise is here. But for us, it's different. As believers, as those that have had the benefit and the blessing, the privilege of being called his children and being able to be called his righteousness, his spirit directs us in the way that that cloud directed the children of Israel. And the question that came to mind for me over the last couple of weeks, and I think should be for all of us, is how closely am I following? If I'm getting discontented with the manna in my life, I would propose that it is in direct proportion to how discontent I am with, the, with my obedience to the Spirit's leading in my life. If I don't like the food, it's probably because I don't like where God's... I don't like where I'm being told to go. I may not like what I'm supposed to be hearing. If I don't like the message, the taste may be a little bit off. We have that experience with kids, right? Kids, parents, anybody. When you're being told, when you're being given a lesson, you're being given an instruction. If you don't like the instruction, if it feels a little too sour, it's probably because it's what we need. If it feels a little uncomfortable, it's probably because it's what we need. When I have to say, boys, stop touching each other. And one of them goes and looks very nervous, it's because he was the one touching his brother or his sister or whoever it was or his cousin. If, the, if, if that doesn't affect me, if, that doesn't, if I don't get nervous by that statement, then I, I'm probably just fine. When the doctor says, you need to eat healthier, or when the doctor says, not even you need to eat healthier, when the doctor says, this is what you should be eating, if you're comfortable and you feel good, it's probably because that's what you're eating. But if you get, you know, a little hot in your collar and start getting nervous, it's probably because that's not what you're eating. There's a change in nutrition that needs to take place. When there's a change in our lives or a new direction in our lives or some kind of movement that the Lord wants to make in our spiritual, physical, emotional, whatever walk, when, the God, when God directs our path differently, if we are left uncomfortable, it is likely because that's not where we were supposed to have been. And the God, God is moving our path. But all the while... All the while, his promise stays the same. His promise to provide for us, to provide the provision that we need, maybe not necessarily the one we want, provide what is adequate for us to be fulfilled is constant. So long as we follow, not the cloud, but as we follow the Spirit's direction in our lives. I, I remember an image that a brother shared one time. 
that just talked about how as we walk the path of life, the, the stumbling blocks and things that, that come along our lives are, are those things that are, are typically off on the side of the path. They're not typically the things that are in the middle of the path. If we walk the middle of the path, we won't have some of those things. Sure, if we walk the middle of the path, as the Lord leads us, as we walk and follow after him, just as the children of Israel did, if they would have followed him completely, their path would have been much quicker. If they would have followed him humbly, their path would have been much clearer. But as they meandered into other things, as their leaders meandered into other things, the path got longer. The stumbling blocks came. They fell over different things. Not that God had put there, but that the spirit of this world place is there. We know that they're there and need to be clear in our, need to be clear in our obedience and our following of the Father and His direction to know that as He speaks, we need to be listening. I mean, that sounds just, that seems so simple. As he speaks, we need to be listening. But so many times in, in, in our lives, and even as we watch, I don't know, I've got a lot of examples with kids lately. I told you if you did this, X was going to happen, right? I told you if you do this, this is going to happen. You did that, now what do you think is going to happen? This is a very simple one, very, very simple one, and not one that he had a lot of consequences with, but since he's smiling, I'll share it. Yesterday, we're getting ready to come. I don't remember where we were going, but we were ready. Maybe it was to come to the funeral yesterday. And we have a storm door on the front of the house, and I, I said... Ethan, don't just stand in the storm door with the door open when let all of the air out. It's like, you know, don't let all the bought air out of the house. Don't just stand there and let it all out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. And this morning, we're getting ready for church and standing in the door. And I said, Ethan, did you hear what I said yesterday? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then lets the door shut behind him. And five minutes later, his little brother's doing the same thing. The le- we, I didn't have major consequences for that. But in our lives, there are things that do have major consequences. When God says, don't do this, or when God says, do this, this is how I want, this is where I need you, this is where I want you, this is where it's going to be best for you, and you say, no, 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 I'm not going to go there. And then eventually God takes you where he wanted you and goes, see, this is where you were supposed to be. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you this is where you were supposed to be? Didn't I tell you this is what you were supposed to be doing? I, I, this is not mine. I found this from somebody else. But what, Actually, I want to read a verse first. In... We, we can easily make the transition, and I won't belabor it by pulling up all of the verses that allude to this, or not even allude, but are very specific with Jesus being the bread of life. But one that I, I do want to just focus in on real quickly is in John chapter 6. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I'm over. This, I'll land this quickly. John chapter 6, verse 32. 
Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And Jesus being the bread of life there, and receiving, in the same way that the Israelites were called to receive this manna from heaven, use, use these few images to, to think about how we should be receiving the direction um, and leading from our Father in heaven. Beware of our hunger and our need to receive it daily. We're aware of our earthly hunger, right? Yesterday, some of us were in the kitchen preparing in the lunch, and we had a bunch, I'm going to be a little late, we had Columbus Bakery bread, and I cut all the heels off of it, thinking nobody really wants to eat the heels, because it's kind of a gnarly piece of bread, so we had all the nice slices, and I had this big bag of heels, and it was amazing how hungry everybody was in the, in the uh, kitchen, because those heels were gone by the time lunch was ready, because everybody was hungry. Everybody knew that there was hunger. Your stomach is telling you you're hungry. Our spiritual stomachs, our spiritual hearts are, need to tell us we're hungry for the Lord. We each need to receive for ourselves. I can't receive the manna from heaven and give it to you. I can show you where it is. I can point to it outside. I can say, wait till the dew dries. Collect, collect, collect. Get it for yourself. But you have to experience it for yourself. The relationship with Christ is one you can see in me but have to experience personally. We have to do it daily. We have to take it humbly. And we better be grateful and appreciative and most, maybe most importantly, glad. When we say, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Let me be grateful for the bread that you have given me. Not just because it's here and it's going to sustain me, but it is specifically perfect for my every need. And pray that we could see that as the Lord lays these gifts out for us uh, every day.